1: Well, welcome to Sunday Coffee. It's a Sunday afternoon. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau Studios here in downtown Startville, and we're joined by new offensive coordinator Kevin Barbe. Kevin, how you doing, man? I'm
2: doing fantastic. Excited well, to be here.
1: Absolutely, we're excited for you to be here. It's been a whirlwind for you. I think uh, the first day you got here, we we got all got together in the Delta, and we had an event. You were meeting, you know, some other coaches, you were meeting some some fans, you are meeting some donors, and you hadn't even been to Startwell yet. That's <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so have you been to Startwell yet? Is this the first day?
2: <laughs> no, I, I've been a few days, uh, but it was a whirlwind, you know, a, a funny story. Uh, Thursday morning, I think it was January 12th, um, I was in a staff meeting um, at Appalachian State. Um, I was running a meeting. Uh, Coach Arnett called. I stepped out to take the call. He offered me the job, said it was good to go, but he needed me at the airport in two hours. And I was two hours from the airport. Uh, So I stepped back into the meeting room. I said, boys, I I just took the job at Mississippi State, and i got to go right now. And (laughs) I called my wife. I said, hey, throw a bunch of stuff in a bag. And I took off and sprinted uh, from Boone, North Carolina, to Charlotte, North Carolina, to the airport. Uh, Got to the gate with four minutes boarding time. Uh, Still full app state gear uh whenever i got on the plane uh got there landed quick change and then uh met you guys to uh go
1: out to uh the delta well the the thing that i think about that drive from boone to charlotte you don't have any flat just straight roads either (laughs) no there
2: was a lot of (laughs) phone calls coming and uh we were driving down the mountain so it was quite an
1: interesting drive well, here's the thing that I think of every time an offensive coordinator goes to a school, it's always drinking from the fire hose. There are so many different priorities you want to make, and just where do you start?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, everyone is different depending on the timing. Uh, with this one, obviously, it's getting here and prioritizing what the immediate needs are and, you know, uh, transfer portal, uh, signing day coming up. So, you know, getting here and, and trying to figure out what pieces you have, and making sure that you hold on to those guys. And then what are the needs for the roster in order to balance it out? And, you know, in a slightly different uh, philosophical you know, view offensively and adding a few different pieces of tight end play and stuff like that. So, um, you know, prioritizing the recruiting is the most important right now. And then once we get through that, we'll start looking at, uh, you know, spring ball and, and, and the buildup of the
0: offensive installation. You know, before we go too far down the road of what's coming up and what's the backstory of Kevin Barbay, what, what, what got you into football? I knew from a young age that I wanted to be a lawyer. And I recognized at a still relatively young age that I was not thinking clearly when I made that decision. Okay, <laughs> what uh, what is it, though, that – when did you say, hey, I want to be a football coach?
2: So uh, my background, uh, my family are, are – all coaches back in Southeast Texas. Uh, I was born in Port Arthur. I went to Nederland High School. Um, at a young age, I was three years old, and I was the ball boy, towel boy, water boy, tee getter. Uh, our left guard was our place kicker, so I used to run out there and put this rubber thing around his toes. Oh, so the white <laughs> shoe? Toe punches The square toe? Yes, yeah, yeah, sir. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. and um, So... I, I kind of knew no different, right? I mean, I grew up in, in a locker room on the field doing every job that there was to do within a football program. Uh, you know, later on, I, you know, I, I played quarterback um, at Niederland High School in Texas. Uh, and, and, you know, we had a really good high school football team. And then I had the opportunity to go play for Doug Williams at Grambling State. And, you know, uh, that was uh, unbelievable. Um, I, you know, I ended up uh, as, as a backup quarterback at Grambling. And really a a neat experience, but I knew early on that I wasn't an NFL player. Um, I was a pretty good high school player. I wasn't a very good college player. Uh, But I knew that coaching was always what I wanted to do from a very young age. So in my mind, I've been a coach since I was three years old, right? Um, And maybe, you know, a little bit older than that. But, um, you know, my my family are are still coaches. Um, My uncle was a longtime head coach at Newton High School, I had another cousin uh, that was a head coach at Jasper High School and Cold Spring. And I was a high school head coach in that same area. And uh, my, aunt, or my, my father had gotten out of coaching uh, when I was, uh, before I was even born. So uh, long line of coaches. Uh, still, there's more bar bays in East Texas coaching. Uh, but that was kind of the path. And I knew, you know, like I said, uh, there's been no other profession that I've wanted in my life.
0: So let me ask you this. If you weren't here, could you see yourself still coaching high school football?
2: I tell everybody uh, at heart I am a Texas high school football coach that's just on
1: a run right now uh, coaching in college. (laughs) Before we get into X's and O's and things of that nature, Doug Williams. I have never heard a negative word about Doug Williams. How was it to play for Doug Williams?
2: Doug Williams is a phenomenal human being. He's got real uh, compassion and care for his players and um you know we we stay in touch uh to this day and you know he was a, a great motivator of men um but somebody that you know anybody would want to just run through a wall for he was a phenomenal human being
1: and just looking back too when you start thinking thinking about you know when you got your degree and did you cross paths with with stump Craig Stump. Yeah, so my very first
2: job, uh, I go uh, coach receivers at Beaumont Kelly uh Catholic High School in Texas. And uh Craig Stump uh had just taken the job. He was a receiver coach here at Mississippi State uh for I can't I don't know how many years for Coach Cheryl and then he came back to Southeast Texas and gave me my first job. So uh you know, kind of a neat uh, neat little story there too.
0: You've had a chance along the way to work with a lot of different coaches. You mentioned Doug Williams. I wonder, as you come along, sometimes you see people they are really – you can tell, hey, he has picked up this guy's philosophy. Some people are more bits and pieces. Who are the people that kind of help shape your football outlook and and your your plan of attack?
2: Sure. Uh, So, early on, you know, Craig Stump obviously gave me my first job. Um, As a young coach, I really studied – Coach Greg Davis at the University of Texas um, a lot. You know, I thought he was a detailed guy that had a great plan with protections. And I just he he was an individual that's from my area, and, and our family had known him for a long time. So I invested in studying his stuff. And he was the offensive coordinator at Texas from maybe 2000 to 2010. Uh, but, you know, uh, a, a great coach that, you know, uh, when I went to Texas A&M Commerce, I ended up running his offense to a tee and, uh, you know, word for word, uh, just really uh, spent a lot of time studying his stuff. Then I got the opportunity to go work for Todd Dodge at the University of North Texas. And Coach Dodge was a legendary head coach at South Lake Carroll uh, oh, up yeah. in Texas. Oh, yeah. Main green. Yep. And then he got the North Texas job from a high school head coach. And his offense was a lot more spread-oriented, um you know, sling it around. Uh, it was more RPOs before they were called RPOs. Uh, so I had a, a, a great opportunity to go work for him. And then, you know, from there, uh, at Lamar University, I got to work with an offensive guy named Larry Keck, who was a longtime coordinator at Marshall with uh, Chad Pennington and Byron Leftwich and, um, you know, all, all of those guys in those Marshall uh, runs. And then uh, from there, I, I went with Jim McElwain. And, uh, Jim McElwain, uh, you know, was uh, a guy that's been uh, influential, very influential in, in my career and in my philosophy, but there's been so many different pieces and so many different offenses uh, that I've been a part of. You know, uh, a lot of times guys ask me, well, what the offen- what's, what's the offense? Is it pro style? Is it spread? Is it what? And really it's so many just different bits and pieces of different offenses uh, that, that I believe in and, and have kind of pieced together over time.
0: One of the things that we hear sometimes is, hey, Mississippi State was a passing offense. Now they're going to be a ground and pound, three yards in a cloud of dust type offense. Uh, what do you say to that?
2: Yeah, um, so I would tell uh, fans that, you know, generally I'm a, I'm a more balanced attack person. But I think uh, at the end of the day, you have to. Identify your personnel and who can score touchdowns at any given moment. Uh, you identify your playmakers, and then you get creative with formations and personnel groups and motions for disguise uh, to put the, the playmakers uh, in the best possible situation to create explosive plays, uh, whether that's running the ball 40 times a game, whether that's throwing it, you know, uh, 45, 50 times a game. And every game plan really is a little bit different as well Because you've got to know what type of offense you're playing against and what your defense is like, too. So, you know, last year, for example, uh, you know, we had a game against North Carolina at Appalachian State. And, you know, those guys could score a lot of points. You know, so from a uh, game plan standpoint, you know, we needed to be able to be, uh, you know, uh, aggressive and trying to score points any which way we could, right? Throwing the ball and uh, pushing the tempo a little bit. Right and trying to go fast and catch them off guard with some formations and motions and you know uh, I I can't remember what our yards were but it was well over 600 yards of offense and we ended up scoring 61 points we lost 63 to 61 but that was the game the type of game that we had to play against them you fast forward a week ahead and you got Texas A&M who's a very very talented team um, a little younger on the defensive side but uh, you know felt like I could maybe do a little more shifting motion and get in the huddle, um, kind of control the time of possession in order to give us a chance to win the game in the fourth quarter. Uh, so, you know, um, luckily, all right, that one turned out for us. We beat them 17-14. Uh, but really, you know, two kind of totally different game plan types. And so I don't think that you can just bottle it into one, you know, it, it, it's not air raid. It's It's not pro style. Um, But, you know, it's really just being simplistic and going, all right, how are you going to create explosive plays uh, in the run game? How are you going to create explosive plays pushing the ball downfield? And then, you know, uh, just simply getting the ball to playmakers
1: uh, in a variety of ways and getting them in space. Sorry, I've been over here doing a deep dive on Larry Keck. Because Larry Keck at one time was the offensive coordinator at Southern Miss in the late 1990s. Remember when Jeff Bauer had it rolling down there? And they had everybody and they, they were great every year. Larry Keck was the offensive coordinator at Southern Miss.
2: Yeah, he's a, a great offensive mind. And, you know, really in, in my career, to be honest with you guys, I tried to go work for guys that I felt like uh, I was going to learn a lot from. You know, it wasn't necessarily that this job was a Division One job or this job was – you know, it was more for me trying to get around the people uh that I had a lot of respect for and, and obviously, you know, his resume was uh tremendous and
1: a tremendous offensive mind. So And that's what I've tried to do too. That's why we started this podcast because I wanted to learn from Charlie. <laughs>
0: good decision. <laughs> it was <a> good, <laughs> it, all for you.
1: it was a good decision. So we were talking about your roster management trying to build a roster because it's it's very rare in today's world to to go somewhere now where you don't have a position, where you almost have to create a position. And it's no secret that the tight end position at Mississippi State has not been here for the last three years. And so now all of a sudden you've got to create a position. How strange is that? You know, um,
2: I mean, it, I, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a challenge. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think the, the slow transition into using, utilizing and using a tight end Uh, you know, will be something that we go through here. We've got to add some here quickly, right? Uh, But we also got to make sure that the quality of the tight end that we bring in here um, is, you know, elite SEC guys. So, uh, you know, you you can't be stubborn enough to go, okay, well, here's the formations and the things that I do uh, if the personnel doesn't fit it. Uh, So then that's where the creativity comes in. And you go, hey, you might have, a room full of, you know, six really good running backs. And you might use more 20 personnel than you do 11 personnel because at the end of the day, you've got to put your best 11 players on the field and figure out, right, what schemes and, and uh, uh, you know, what concepts you can do to put those guys in the best position.
0: When you talk about a tight end, what does that look like in your offense? Because sometimes I sit down and I watch an NFL game, and it really means – Big slot receiver, uh, more of an H back sometimes. Then I think if when you watch the old Dallas Cowboys, you know it, it's the guy just right hugging the you know hugging the tackle sure. and and work in the middle, and maybe even blocking. What what is a tight end asked to do in your offense, and what does the ideal tight end look like?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. There's there's actually two right. Uh, so both of those guys, you have an inline tight end uh, that you know is basically a you know, uh, uh, an extension of your tackles, right? Uh, a big, long, 6'6", six, six, you know, 260-pound guy that uh, can block down on blocks, that can control the line of scrimmage, that can catch the ball in the flat a little bit. And then you've got your H-back who is, you know, you would still like to have good length, right? 6'4", 250 range that's uh, a, a good enough receiver, right, and can stretch the field vertically in the passing game can insert into linebackers, can slice back on split zones, right, and then slip out into the flat. Um, Also a guy that, you know, can be utilized in the screen game as well. So, you know, really for for me the tight end is, um, you know, uh, as big and athletic uh, as as we can possibly find. Uh, But the number one ingredient, though, is just pure toughness. And you know, if you, you, I've played with undersized guys that weren't the biggest and prettiest in the world, but you find out what drives them inside. And and those guys that have that toughness and that grit are the guys that fit in my scheme uh, the
1: best. We talk about coming in and you start talking about scheme, but have you had any chance to spend any time with with players and just trying to to get in your mind? Okay, this is what this guy can fit into my offense. Yeah. Um, you know, I,
2: obviously I haven't been able to uh, spend a whole lot of time here in Starkville uh, with us being on the road recruiting and going to see guys. Um, you know, Will Rogers has, has been by multiple times uh, and, and is just eager and, uh, you know, wants to learn new things and different uh, concepts and, and ball. So he's he's been a real pleasure, you know, because you can feel the uh, the eagerness from him and um, you know, uh, all the guys have kind of come through and just said hello, shaking hands or whatever. Uh, but to be honest with you, I haven't really had a chance to sit down and, and really dive into, you know, any of the guys' uh, lives yet and, you know, their, their stories and, you know, what their strengths and weaknesses are uh, within their positions.
0: One of the things that obviously has been a hot topic in college sports is the transfer portal and guys coming, guys going. We've been fortunate, knock on wood, so far that uh, some of the guys who thought about leaving came back. How much of a challenge was that for you to be have to visit with those guys and to somewhat re-recruit some people?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I think, um, look, with the ever-changing landscape of college football uh, with the transfer portal and NIL and um, all, all those things that are going on, I, I think there's good and there's bad to uh, both sides and, and, and all pieces. There's some situations that it's – good for and there's some that it's bad but you know at the end of the day I think the biggest challenge is the roster management piece you know the old days of hey we're going to recruit a, a kid and and then you know plan on this guy he's going to be here for five years you know it, it's really hard to live that way anymore because there's so many different options and, and things for the guys to go do so you know I, I think getting here and identifying guys that we absolutely cannot lose and we need on this football team. Um and then, you know, trying to in a short amount of time get in front of them and uh, get to know them as, as best I can, uh it it's a real challenge, right? Because when you're a relationship driven person uh and you don't have a whole bunch of time to build relationships, uh to me that's the biggest uh the biggest obstacle uh right now is you know, making sure that we're holding on to those guys. And gaining their trust in a short amount of time.
1: So, being from Texas, Port Arthur, that area right there at the, at the state line, Cowboys fan, Saints fan, grew up either one, didn't care. What H- were you? Houston Oilers, man. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Love you, Blue.
2: Yeah. Coach Bum Phillips. And, uh, you know, a neat story there. Uh, coach Bum Phillips uh, was the head coach at. Uh, my high school, Nederland High School, as well as my wife's high school, Port Natchez Groves High School. Okay. And so when those two play, it's uh, you know the greatest rivalry in Texas called the Bum Phillips Bowl. Okay.
1: Wore the big hat. Bum oh, Phillips.
0: I didn't th- expect to be talking about him today, but that's a that was a good one. What was the old Bum Phillips line about Earl Campbell when he didn't complete the mile run on you know, third on third and, on the third third and of a the mile? Line. I won't, hand, I it won't it hand it to him. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, Hey, I was looking at some of the numbers on your team at App State, and one of the things I noticed, obviously Mississippi State has thrown the football a ton the past three years, but they haven't thrown it downfield. I think the balls in the air over 20 yards, 6 7% last year, your number was more like 21% balls in the air, 20 or more yards. And when you throw in mid-range passes, 10 or more, 40-something percent. It, was that personnel? was that scheme? was that a, a kind of a desire to be more explosive?
2: well, here's what I think it does. You know when you run the football right that's what sets up your play action shots downfield, and if you successfully run the football, teams have got to drop safeties in to add an extra hat right for the run and that's where you know the the capability of creating explosives downfield in the pass game comes by being able to run the football successfully. So, um, you know, yeah, I, and I would tell you this, you know, I'm a, also a heavy RPO-driven team, which is kind of taken away from quick game. Uh, the RPO game now protects the runs, and it gives you an opportunity when they take the run away, then you are playing quick games. When you do right, get an overloaded box and you see that consistently happening, that gives you the chance to push the ball downfield and create explosives with you know, deep throws or intermediate
1: throws. You being at North Texas, Charlie and I are big fans of The Ticket out of Dallas. It's a radio station out there, George Dunham, who did the North yeah, Texas sure. football for a long time. Of course, one of the guys out there. And they talked to Troy Aikman every week, and Troy Aikman was talking about offenses in the NFL, and about how it's almost so cyclical when it comes to play calling in the NFL and about how forever it was pro-style, run the football, like when he played. It was a lot of play action, and then everything kind of morphed a lot to a lot of the spread offenses, and now it's almost like the NFL is morphing back more to run. It's almost like the defenses catch up with the passing game. Are you seeing that in college football too?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I think, you know, we all just keep making circles and look (laughs) uh, offensively, uh, you know, I. I, I've never invented anything, right? Uh, everything that I've done, I've learned from someone else or, you know, I see, I study, um, you know, and, and so I think as the game, right, continually evolves, it just all kind of comes back around. Now, what we are really all playing in in college football with RPO read option and, you know, being able to spit the ball outside on the perimeter, it's really triple option football, right, uh, that was the wishbone days of, you know, you know, you've got a read key and you've got a pitch key, and that's really no different than spread RPO offenses, where you're reading ends and you're throwing the ball off of, you know, perimeter flat defenders. So uh, just the, the, I would say the difference is, you know, you you, in a league, right? Uh, sometimes, okay, all of a sudden teams get faster, right? And maybe a little bit smaller. And then you got a a coaching change and a new guy comes in and goes, all right, our roster is going to be big and we're going to smash it on people or whatever and, you know, play to other teams' weaknesses. And so I I think that's what's happening also in the NFL, right, is you had a little bit of a change, right, where teams started going a little more spread and stuff. And, you know, at the end of the day, the guys that they can get there, right, are, you know, the biggest and the best of the best. And, you know, they go back to being able to run the football, And really, in my philosophy, in my eyes, you know, in order to win football games, you've got to be able to run the football. And that's where it all starts. And then, you know, you take advantage of those opportunities with play action and, you know, uh, drop back stuff on, you know, uh, certain situations and, you know, just being able to spread the ball around to a bunch of different playmakers.
0: You talked about being out on the road recruiting, and I was talking with Bart the other day, and it's almost like when you look at the position coaches that they better be able to recruit Mississippi, you know, they better know where Picayune is and some of these towns. Right. Right. Um, How much have you had a chance to draw from some of those guys as you've been out on the road?
2: Yeah, so um, I got to spend uh, last week uh, on the road in in Mississippi and, uh, you know, met some phenomenal people and and really honest and and down-to-earth people, which I think in recruiting is is a very important piece of just trusting guys that will give you the honest truth of if they think this guy can help you in the SEC or not. Uh, To be honest with you, Uh, recruiting Mississippi has uh, felt like home to me, right, Uh, with some of the small towns. And, you know, for me it feels a little bit like East Texas and some of the backwood uh, schools. And, you know, I I think you you leave uh, no stone left unturned in trying to find, right, anyone, uh, anybody, any, uh, you know, uh, type of uh, small school player that might have just that burning desire to, be a bulldog and and play at Mississippi state. And, you know, there's guys that, um, other schools might not come in and, and go do all the homework and, and find kind of those diamonds in the rough or those gyms that are, you know, hard to get to. And I think within this state, uh, there's plenty of those type guys. If, if you really go through all the schools and, and make sure that you're doing your homework. And like I said, leaving no stone left unturned.
0: So, You've had options, and you're known as an up-and-coming offensive coordinator. You had a chance, and would have had chances to go a lot of places from where you were. Why this job?
2: So, whenever I interviewed with with Coach Arnett, um, it was very, uh, very evident right from the get-go that our our energy and our passion and our vision kind of aligned. Um, and and I didn't, I've never worked with Coach. Um, I coached a, against him once in a bowl game, uh, but you know, I've I've seen his energy, um, you know, and and really I felt like uh, I was the offensive version of him, right, Uh, where whenever you find guys that you really feel like, you know, your gut tells you, you know, you know, I mean, I've interviewed and and talked to a bunch of other teams, and sometimes, you know, my wife knows because I'll call and go, eh, I don't know. Uh, When this interview was done, I called her and I said, this is it, this is the one, and you know, I I feel like I did a good job. I think I'm going to get it, but this is the guy that I want to go work for. Um, You know, just you you can uh, feel the passion, right, uh, coming from Coach Arnett and and just the sincerity. And, um, you know, this was uh, a a great opportunity for me, um, you know, not only to become an SEC play caller, but like I said early on uh, in the podcast, really to work for good people and uh, you know, somebody where my vision uh, aligns and I think we share the same uh, energy level.
0: You call plays from on the field or in the booth? Uh,
2: that's a good question. I've done both. Um, I, I call plays mostly from the field, right? And, and that's kind of where my comfort level is. And I do that for a reason. Uh, you know, number one, I can dictate and I can better tell the tempo of a defense whenever you're down there and you can feel the game. I can feel when the defensive line starts getting a little slow and they're putting hands on hips and a corner's barking at a safety about busting this coverage or doing this wrong. And that's how, you know, I change the pace of the game uh, by going fast. And, you know, I'm not a go fast all the time kind of a guy. I am a once you bloody someone's nose, then you start throwing as many punches as possible, Um, you know, kind of basketball fast-breakish, I guess, right? You want them to use a timeout, right, or you know, somebody fall down and slow it down a little bit. But that tells you right there that you're controlling the game. And, um, you know, trying to keep defensive coordinators off rhythm. Um, so <laughs> that was a long answer to I call it from on the field. The other thing that I think is really important is being able to look your quarterback in the eye, right, and feel what kind of game he's playing here, right? It's different when you're talking to guys on the headsets, than, you know, if if you're struggling at this point in the game, right? Making sure that you're putting him in the best position to, you know, succeed on a third down, or um, uh, also, you know, the the uh, the TV timeouts get pretty long, right? Absolutely. Longer uh, and longer. And if it's CBS, (laughs) you got a time to go get a Diet Coke. That's right. (laughs) Um, But, you know, uh, being able to look the entire offensive unit in the eye, right, and and talk to them about the plays that are coming up, the situation that's at hand, uh, for me, is something that's really important. And so that's why I call it from the field. You can see leverage and you can see coverages and better from up top, right, right? but, you know, that's what, you know, you've got, a, and we do, and we've got a great staff. Um, and, you know, you have different responsibilities uh, on game day with guys up in the box and guys on the field and making sure that we're all communicating the same way. But to me, it, it's more of just a uh, a feel is why I call it from the field.
1: Yeah, we, we do have some new staff members. You mentioned the staff. And But we've had some guys coming back on the staff that haven't been here in a while but have been in Mississippi. And you start talking about a, a David Turner. Of course, Tony Hughes has been here for a long time, much respected. Chad Bumfus is back, a native of Tupelo that played here. How important is it for you to have fellow Mississippians and guys that have been here before that you can bounce things off of? Yeah,
2: you know, I, I always tell everybody, I, the offensive coordinator always gets a lot of the credit, but it's really it's not so much the offensive coordinator as it is the the staff and the guys that are building this game plan together. You know, I think guys that uh, that have ties, um, you know, or or are alum uh, of Mississippi State is, is always really important uh, because they're able to portray right the the true passion and and what it really means, right? Uh, this rivalry or this game or. Uh, to the players uh, because they've lived it, and um, you know. So I, I think we've got a, a great staff. I think Coach Arnett did a great job of uh, building this thing, and um, you know, uh, I'm just I'm really fortunate and honored to be a part of it.
1: Hey, we appreciate you coming in. Appreciate you letting us uh, rake you across the coast for 30 minutes.
2: Awesome. Yeah, that was it. That was pretty easy. You guys are.
0: Well, we figure it'd be nice first few yeah. weeks. Yeah. <laughs> just, wait, just, just wait to week that three. That first third down we don't convert. <laughs> you right. guys are going to be like, what were you doing? <laughs> uh, that, can't, can't we sneak it from under center? Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't get
1: Charlie your cell number. He'll be texting you during the games. Well, I, that was the first one that I heard that uh, in Indianola. Uh, oh, was it really? was, uh, yeah.
2: Can, can we please – on fourth and one, just get underneath center.
0: That's and- <laughs> why so I, I laughed. I, I went to law school at Notre Dame, as Bart well knows. But Lou Holtz was telling the story about one day he was out walking and he decided just to go sit in the stands and start yelling to throw it to the tight end uh, because he said somebody gets a lot of pleasure out of doing that every week. I wanted to feel, I wanted to know what that felt like. <laughs> <That's right. laughs>
1: hey, That's appreciate right. you joining us today. All right, man. Thank y'all. Kevin Barbet, Mississippi State Offensive Coordinator. And this conversation brought to you by our friends at Strange Brew Coffee House. Strange Brew now with three locations, two here in the state, uh, in the city of Starkville. Of course, Highway 12 and Spring Street, then on University Drive, and then Tupelo, Brewpelo, our good friends at Strange Brew Coffee. Go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. So for Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate Kevin Barbet stepping in and talking with us here on Sunday Coffee. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us.